Hello, and welcome to We're Only Human. If you are a fan of musicals or Broadway or the Broadway musical Wicked, you're going to love this episode. I am a huge fan of Wicked, of musicals in general, but especially Wicked. Um, my guest today, I was, uh, I think it was on LinkedIn, but somehow I stumbled upon Carla's uh story about basically Carla used to uh, perform in Wicked um, as an understudy for Alphaba as well as in the ensemble for for years and years and years both in the tour the touring company of Wicked as well as on Broadway and uh, she decided to make a career change and sort of a life change and she transitioned into becoming a software engineer and kind of decided to her her hat do you hang your hat she hung her witch hat her Alphaba hat and the end of 2021, when the holidays holiday break comes around, she gets a call uh, from the Broadway production and says, hey, can you come out and do Alphaba for us? Can you come out and perform Alphaba for uh, the weekend? And she does. And so I was just so curious uh, to learn more from Carla about, you know, when we think about who we are, what we are, uh, who we are as people and how we identify ourselves to sort of shed that identity or at least evolve to the next chapter of her life and who she is. And then to be called back into that previous life, I had to ask her more about what that felt like and, and why she did it. So Carla is here. We're going to talk about Wicked, I hope, and, and all sorts of all sorts of other great things, I'm sure. But first, let's do a sound check. What did you have for breakfast this morning? Oh, goodness. Um, I had an omelet with spinach and Parmesan cheese. That sounds delicious. That is one of the best breakfasts I've heard of. It was really good. I've been, I've been like on a, on a kick to like eat eggs for breakfast this week. So this is the third day I have had eggs. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Today, I'm joined by Carla Stickler. I should have asked you if that's how you pronounce your last name, is it? That is. That's 100% oh, correct. Sweet. It's like the word, the word stickler. I am a stickler for the pronunciation <laughs> of my name. Excellent. <laughs> Carla Stickler. She's a wife, a daughter, software engineer at G2, and a musical performer who spent a decade performing in Broadway musicals, which we have to talk about Wicked, which is like my favorite ever. But um, when I was thinking about, you know, Carla Stickler and, and kind of reading up on you and, and learning more about you, I I thought you seem to be someone who's very like self-aware. I mean, I, I you know, in some of your life transitions, I feel like the people who can understand what they want next are people who are very self-aware. You also seem like someone who's able to adapt and roll with it, uh, which is something I kind of share. I love being able to be flexible and, and go with it. Um, you seem like someone who's loyal and reliable and also just determined to lead the kind of life that you want to lead, which I admire so much. Um, so that's like who I would say Carla Stickler is. But if someone asked you the question, who are you? What would you say? Oh my goodness. I am blushing over here because that was so sweet and I am just overwhelmed. Um, I, I don't know. What would I say? Who am I? I'm, I love that, that the things that I am come across that way because sometimes I feel the opposite of all of those things. Sure. Um, I, 
I have made a lot of mistakes in my life and I've had to pivot very quickly and I've had to learn a lot of lessons the hard way. Um, and so I think that's why I've become resilient. Um, and I've kind of had to figure out what I want to do in the face of not getting the thing that I originally wanted. <laughs> um, so, so it's, it's been, it's maybe I, I have grit because of that. Um, I really like the word grit because I think it's kind of like this, this strong, powerful word that you, you get grit by like going through really hard stuff. And I, and I think that, you know, everyone's hard stuff is unique, but my hard stuff for me, um, in my opinion was pretty tough. And it, I think it made me who I am. And I'm, um, even on days when I kind of doubt it, like if I can get through something, I have a plethora of things that I've gotten through in the past that I can look back at and say, Oh, well, I did that. So I should be able to do this. I agree with you about grit. I feel like grit just feels tough. Like if mm -hmm. you, you've earned grit, like you said, it doesn't just come to you. Yeah. What, what was the hard stuff for you? Yeah, I think, um, so I guess it depends on how far back we want to go, Tim. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I always wanted to be a performer. I grew up in a really, perf like a musical family. Um, I was always kind of pushed in that direction because I was, um, I had a lot of, I'm giving you finger quotes here, talent in that I showed a lot of talent and music at a young age. So I was kind of pushed in that direction. And so with, with being pushed in that direction, there was a lot of pressure to be very good at that. Um, and so, you know, when, when I, when things wouldn't go the way I want, I was not great at it. Um, and then when I was, when I was, I went to, um, a very fancy prestigious, um, music school, my freshman year of college. And I had, I was studying opera and I wanted to be an opera singer. My grandmother was an opera singer and I was like, this is the thing I'm going to do. I'm going to be an opera singer. And then I got diagnosed with having a cyst on my vocal cords and I had to like pivot. I was, I got told I had to have surgery on the cords. I had stopped singing. My, the doctor told me I'd probably never sing opera. And I, I just kind of panicked because I was like, oh my gosh, this thing that I want to do that I oh, thought man. I was, the thing I was like, this is my identity, right? Like I identify as this totally as a singer and now I'm being told I can't do it um and it was it was really hard and I didn't have the right support to help me deal with it so I dealt with it a lot internally um I went to school for acting and I cried a lot through school because I thought that acting class would be the way that I could like process my emotions um and I luckily had a teacher who um, saw that I was talented in singing and saw that I wasn't doing it and took me kind of under his wing. and was like, let me teach you how to sing again. And I was, and I, it was really hard for me. And I, and I cried during all of my lessons and I kind of, but I, I'd have like these, these moments of joy again that I hadn't really felt in a long time. Cause I was kind of searching for who I was and those little moments started to become more frequent and I started to kind of rebuild my voice. And there was like a moment where I, I was singing something and I was like belting and it was like effortless, like there was no tension and it felt wonderful. And I, and I remember being like, Oh my God, like 
I found it. I can actually do this again. And it, and I kind of had to go through that process of like losing the thing that I loved to like refine it in another way um, to realize that it could be a part of my life, but in a very different form. Um, and so then, you know, like not to go through every giant awful thing in my life, but like then I had, a, I've had a lot of things. Like I was divorced at one point and I remember like when I, when I was doing Wicked, I remember I, I got divorced right before going out on tour and I was like, well, this is the universe telling me that I did the right thing. <laughs> you know, I was like, I did this really hard thing and clearly like, clearly it worked out. Clearly I made the right choice. Um, and so every time I'd make kind of like these, these things would happen, I'd have to make these really hard choices. And then I'd, I'd prove to myself that there was like light on the other side and that it would work out no matter what. And so Ty, like I've, I've had that happen quite a few times. So now I see it more often, you know, now when I hit a wall, I'm able to be like, Oh, this is just, a, this is just a, I got to take a right turn or a left turn. It's just a wall, but it doesn't mean that I can't keep moving. Um, so I have found ways to recognize it faster and pivot instead of panic, which is what I did when I was younger. What a great perspective to have. I, <laughs> that was a very long answer. <laughs> no, not at all. No, I'm so happy that you found that perspective. I am also divorced, so I can share that life event. I can empathize with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't imagine going on a tour performing in Wicked right after that life event. Um, I feel like I processed that over over a long time. So I, I imagine that was not easy for you. But um, I love that fresh perspective you have now. We're like, hey, if I'm going to run into difficulty, I understand that I've run into difficulty before and gotten mm-hmm. past it in a good way. So I'm, it's going to be tough, but I'm ready to do that again if I need to. Yeah, it's like it's like I proved to myself that I'm stronger than I think I am. Um, you know, I think we all kind of tell ourselves these narratives in our heads of like all the things that are wrong with us. But um, one thing I have to always tell myself and remind myself is, no, you are you are actually stronger than you think you are. You can do this, even though it feels hard right now. Um, and so, I think that's why I've been able to kind of move and shift into like a new career and do all of these different things because I, I'm not really afraid of the scary parts of it. Like I, I don't have that kind of fear of it, of that like unknown. Um, I'm, I kind of like to embrace it. I think it's kind of fun now. I'm like, well, anything could happen, you know, facing all of my fears has kind of led me here and I'm really happy with where I am right now. So might as well keep doing it. <laughs> Did you, were you someone who enjoyed the unknown like earlier in life or was that more a, a result of, you're shaking your head no? I am hardcore shaking my head no. I, <laughs> <laughs> I like order and structure and I like knowing the rules before I can break them. Um, I, I went, so after I left Wicked the first, like in 2015, the first time, um, I took a bunch of improv classes because I was trying to learn how to get better at just like going with it. Like when things go wrong, yeah, yeah, um, just kind of rolling with it. And so I took a ton of improv classes. Um, my husband used to work for Second City and is very good improviser. And so he kind of encouraged me to step into that world. So um, it was good. It, I was I was always very scared of it, even even as I was like kind of overcoming a lot of things. Um, I was still 
terrified of like the moment of unknown, right? When it happens immediately and you're not prepared for it. I like to be prepared for things. <laughs> sure. I think so yeah. many of us do. You, yeah. It's funny you mentioned the improv class. I just took my first improv class um, earlier oh, this year. Congratulations. Thank you. It was a <laughs> pact I made with myself during COVID where I was like, this is something you've always wanted to do. You need to do it once this, you know, it's safe to go out there and do things again. It was. Did you like it? I did. I took like the intro level. So like mm-hmm. very basic and it was like eight weeks. Mm-hmm. I, I'll be so honest. I was very surprised. I learned a lot about myself. The first thing was mm-hmm. that like, I think I'm a pretty, uh, I don't mind speaking in front of crowds. I don't mind being in front of an audience. I think I'm pretty quick on my feet with words. I can be witty, like all that. I realized that while that all may be true, I'm not at least at the moment, a good improviser. Like <laughs> I thought I was like, I'm not saying I went into this class thinking I was a superstar, but I went in this class thinking I have a good foundation and yeah. thinking like, this is going to be fun and I'll learn. And first of all, I didn't realize how much I was going to learn, but more so about myself. I realized like when you start breaking apart, like a simple game of like, all right, that side of the room, we're going to do a three sentence scene. That side of the room starts, this side of the room responds, and the original side then, you know, concludes. I realized that was great on the response side of the room. But when it came to like the start side of the room, mm-hmm. you know, or actually it was vice versa. I was great at the start side, but I wasn't good at the response side. So it's like the long answer. That listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I learned so like, and it was just so unexpected. Like I knew I was going to learn, but not. I thought I was going to learn about improv and I did, mm-hmm. but I learned so much more about myself that I never saw coming. And I, yeah, yeah, I look back now and I'm like, wow, that was like eight weeks of like self growth. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I feel like everyone should take an improv class at some point, if only yeah. to have the experience of recognizing what, how they respond in situations and like whether to like learn whether or not you actually actively listen when yes. you're in a conversation and how hard it is to do, right? How hard it is to listen and then to like, yes, and a situation, how quickly we all tend to go straight to no immediately. Like our instincts are to be like, mm, I don't know, I'm not really into that. And and what happens when we just kind of switch that and we we say yes to something, um, it's, it's cool because it, it kind of, it's empowering, you know, when you're in those classes. Yeah. Right? Oh, if I guess this, where will this lead me? Right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's cool. Fun. I it's also fun. realized, like, and you probably, I think, are probably strong here. I mean, you're a professional performer. The the character part, like when it came to like mm. developing characters and truly losing yourself in the scene. I I mean, I'm st- eight weeks in, I still didn't. Um, by the end of it, I was better, but I wasn't as good as I should be. I just, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. I can't like. I'm so afraid, which is so silly because I'm not, but I am. I was like so afraid of what everyone's thinking of me, which mm-hmm. is silly, right? We had such a comfortable, you know, this going to improv, it's yeah. a comfortable space. Everyone's there to support each other. No one's judging, mm-hmm. but I just couldn't get lost in a character. I was so afraid. I, how do you, I, and I'm making the assumption here that you're good at this yeah. because you professionally perform. I imagine when you're playing Alphaba and Wicked, like you have to get lost and, and become her How do you do that? Selfishly, I got to ask, how do you do that? Please tell me. So it's different than improv. To say that I'm good at improv would be a lie. I am terrible at improv. I enjoy improv because it makes me feel uncomfortable and it forces me to face that discomfort. Sure. Alphaba is 
it, it's, she's different, right? Like I, I can kind of be my calculated self with her, but also allow myself to be uncomfortable in it. Um, and that like, as an understudy, I am as prepared as I possibly can be when I perform the role, right? I have studied it. I rehearsed it. I know it inside and out, but when I get on stage, there are so many unknowns and so many things that I cannot anticipate that could happen, right? I'm also on stage with people that I never am on stage with because I don't do the show every night. So there's this level of like, you really have to listen. You really have to be present while you're out there. So while being an understudy caters to kind of my perfectionism of like wanting to make sure that I know everything that I have control over, there are still so many things that I don't have control over. Um, and that's, for me, that's really cool because it forces me to really be actively engaged, like mentally on stage. I can't just kind of sit back and do the show. Um, and so when I do get to perform her, it is always such a, so hard to explain. It's, it's such a full body experience because I, I, I'm thinking about every word that's coming out of my mouth. I'm processing everything in a new way in like through, you know, my physicality and emotionally. And um, it's especially this past time doing it, having not done it in a long time was a really interesting experience because I hadn't done it in so long. So like I was, I was now experiencing it through a new lens of all of the things that I've experienced in my life up until this point. And so then I got to kind of own it in a different way. Um, and I think that's the really cool thing about being an actor is that you always bring a little bit of yourself into those characters, right? And they they kind of influence how you do it. So it's always a little bit different. And you can never anticipate how it's going to be different because you're a different person every day. So there's always a little bit of that that's also unknown, um, which is the part I love about it, but also the part that is just the most exhausting and tiring thing about it because it is it, it's draining you know you bring your full self every time you have to perform it um it's hard to relax into it so it it wears on you being an understudy for as long as i was is a is i think probably harder than doing it eight times a week because at least when you are the full-time alphabet you do it eight times a week your contract is going to end at a point, you know that it's going to be over. So you can kind of say, for these nine months, my life is going to be living like a nun, having no social life. I just do the show at night. And you can kind of do that but when you're an understudy, you don't get that. So you kind of live your life as if you might do it. And then when you do, it's always this massive adrenaline rush because you haven't done it in a long time. And it's just the, the exhaustion of like, will I do this tonight? Will I not do this tonight? I don't know what's going to happen. Holding that all the time. Um, it's draining. It's wonderful and draining all at the same time. Lots of the reasons that I left the business full-time. When did you leave the business full-time? I mean, so you were, you were performing for what, almost a decade. And so that's like, yeah, that's a so long time. I, I, to age myself, um, I started performing professionally in like 20, 2005, um, when I graduated college and 
I toured with a couple of shows. I toured with Mamma Mia for a few years. Um, and then I toured with Wicked from 2010 for like three years. And then I moved into the Broadway company in 2013. And I stayed there through mid 2015 when I left for the first time. Um, I need, I was just so tired, like five and a half years of covering that role. I was, I needed my body hurt. I had a lot of injuries. Um, and I just had to find a reason to like do something else. And I wasn't booking work. Like I was auditioning, but I was so drained from doing eight shows a week in the ensemble of that show that I wasn't doing well at auditions. I was just kind of like, I, I was like kind of an all around unhappy person sure. um, and living my dream. And so trying to understand why I'm unhappy living my dream is like an identity crisis. Right. Cause you're like, I, yeah, I wanted to be, do this my whole life. <laughs> that would be hard to wrestle with. You're like, is yeah. something wrong with me? Oh my God. Yeah. And I, so I, I, I knew I needed to leave the show, but there was nothing that was giving me the reason to leave. So I left to go to grad school to study theater education at NYU. Um, so I could have a reason to leave, right? Just like something that I felt would be, um, you know, that my parents would understand that I could convince myself was a good reason to leave a Broadway show. (laughs) Um, so I, I did that and then I was still performing. So I went on a cruise ship on and off doing like headlining my own show, which is where I met my husband in the middle of the ocean. Um, he was working for second city and I was working for, I was doing my own show. Um, and I still was like going back into wicked as like a vacation cover every so often. And I was still auditioning, but then I was also teaching and I, I wanted to be done with performing, but it was really hard because I kind of kept going back. Like, like things would happen that would call me back in. And so I'd be like, Oh, I'll go back. And then I'd be like, Oh, this is my last time. And then I'd be like, Oh, I'd get bit by the bug. And I'm like, Oh, that was great. Maybe I'll start auditioning again more. And then the more I would kind of do all those things, the more drained I would get. Cause I was like, I really don't like auditioning. I don't like the way it makes me feel. Um, and I was having like a heavy dose of like real life that I was really enjoying also simultaneously. I was like, enjoying my husband who was not my husband at the time but you know I was like living in Brooklyn and I had a lot of friends who were not performers and I had like a life on the weekends and just like living my life and I was really enjoying that and then I would go to auditions and I would feel awful about myself and I was like what am I doing why am I doing this um so yeah I like about five years of that and like around 20 summer of 2018 my friend introduced me to software engineering um, super randomly. And I was like, that sounds fascinating. And also so different than what I've been doing and like a relief. (laughs) So I just started teaching myself. Um, and I, so I didn't really officially leave. That's a long answer to your question. When did I officially leave? I did my boot camp in the summer of 2019. I fired my agents right before. So like in May, and then I went back to Wicked in the middle of my boot camp. And then I thought I was going to be done. I was at the boot camp. I was like, I am going to start my job search when this is over. And during the boot camp, the show that I had been working on for like five years, it was like this beautiful show. I'd been working. It was like a, I'd been doing like the readings and workshops from like the beginning of the show. And we finally got, they called me and they were like, we finally got a production. We're going to do it in Pennsylvania in March of 2020. And I was like, cool. 
So I put my job search on hold. I like worked for the boot camp as like a coach part time. And I went, I wanted to do this last show. And then we all went to rehearse. We did all of our, <laughs> we did all of our tech rehearsals. And then March, Friday, March, sorry, March 13th. So Friday, March 13th, 2020, that morning, they told us that we couldn't do the show or, or we were going to do the show. We couldn't have an audience. And then we all had to go home the next day. So like, I didn't, we didn't even get to do the show. Oh, wow. So it was, it was like the saddest day ever. And I was like, all right, well, that's it. I'm done. That, that's how my performing career ends because now I'm going to start my new job or I'm going to start looking for a job because what else am I going to do? It's a pandemic and I, I have these skills. Let's see what I can do and see if I can find something. So that was like officially when it started, when I started my new career. Oh man. March 13th, 2020 must've been the worst day ever. (laughs) I can't imagine. Yeah. You put all that work in and then boom. And of course, none of us know how long it's going to last. So there's all that hope, you know, week after week of, Oh, maybe this will be the week that we all come back. Yeah. It was, it was terrifying. Um, I, I kind of made peace with the fact that I was done with it. Um, I got a job at a tech company, not as an engineer, because nobody would hire me. Nobody would even give me an interview at the beginning of the pandemic. There was just like, it was impossible to get interviews for jobs. So I took the first job I could get. Um, but it was remote and I can work from home. And I was in tech. So I got to like, experience what that was like. And, um, and then it allowed my husband and I to realize that we didn't need to live in Brooklyn anymore and we could move to Chicago and buy a house and have a yard for our dog and a garage and a car and all the things that you can't have in Brooklyn. Um, just like, so it was really nice. And then we then moving here too. I, there was something so freeing about that, about, really leaving it all behind and being like, this is my new life. Yeah. You know, it's really lovely. Um, and I've really been enjoying it. Like I did not anticipate how much I would like being a normal person. <laughs> finger quotes. Normal. I like that. A, a normal person. <laughs> we like to call them muggles. <laughs> <laughs> As someone who read Harry Potter for, for, for the first time last year, finally, I get that reference now. You're like, yes, I finally get it. <laughs> I'm only what twenty years too late, thirty. Maybe, eh, who it's knows. okay. At least you, at least you get it. <laughs> By the way, you're not old. I'm only two years behind you. So, all right, we're the same age. Yes. <laughs> when you toured for Wicked, did you ever tour in Chicago? Because I saw Wicked like yeah. nine times here. I was here in 2010, so the winter of 2010, 2011. Hmm. I don't yes. remember if I saw it then, but there, it's possible. <laughs> who knows? I mean, you know. I, when we were looking at houses, um, one of the houses we looked at had, they had like a framed playbill of Wicked signed. And I was like, oh, that's funny. (laughs) I was like, is it a sign? Should we buy this house? I was like, I don't want this house. (laughs) Oh man, there's, yeah, there's a chance I saw you then. So, okay. So, um, I'm curious, like, so you... 2020 you're basically out of performing and then you're settling into this new journey of becoming a software engineer exploring tech companies and then becoming a software engineer how in the world then did you 
because because I've discovered you from LinkedIn is a weird platform, mm-hmm. but like you 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 came into my my world of of this post you had about um that you had the opportunity over the holidays to go perform on you know you were called for emergency to go basically perform for a weekend on Wicked. Um, so now I'm thinking like were you like still. Uh, an emergency understudy with them over those two years or did someone just call you desperately out of the blue and you had no idea this was ever going to happen? Yeah. So I, I don't know if I told them that I had moved to Chicago, but I, in my, in my head, I was like breaking ties with the show. I was saying, I am leaving Chicago. I'm leaving the pos or I'm leaving New York. I'm leaving the possibility of them calling me Yeah, because for like, for those five years, I would be in and out of the show maybe once or twice a year. Um, they'd call me sometimes on like a Saturday morning and be like, hey, can you get to the theater for the matinee and hang out? Well, so we can just have another alphabet in the building because sometimes they, they like to always have two in the building. So if there's an emergency and there's only one, they kind of panic, which I understand because sometimes alphabet goes down mid show. So you never know. So um, I, I would kind of come back and hang out at the theater a lot. Um, I was always kind of uh, like the last time I did that was summer of 2019. And so I really thought that I was going to be done by moving. I was like, well, now that I've moved, they can't just call me to pop back into the show yeah, yeah. that night or tomorrow. Um, I was like, that would, that would be crazy if they ever did that. And then they did. Um, <laughs> but it was kind of like a perfect storm. I there was, there were a lot of people that were called before me. Um, and I, and I know that, and I, and there should have been a lot of people that were called before me. Um, so the, during the Omicron virus, right. There was like a lot of, it was just kind of like taking down Broadway shows at that point. And, the oh, I'm gonna get this wrong. The what the president of the actors or no? Oh gosh, the mm, I have to look it up. The president of the not the Actors Equity Union, but of the Theater Guild or something. Oof, I'm messing this up. So if anybody is listening and like knows what that one is, one of the unions. This woman who was like a kind of a big deal made the speech about understudies not being good enough to keep the shows running. And it was just a lot of people were really offended by it because it was pretty like this woman was like running like the, this like theater league or whatever um, and is not a theater person. So she doesn't know anything about the ongoings of theater. Wait, and, and she's just, saying that like the, the shows are all shutting down and we can't now just keep them going with Hunter studies. Yeah. It was just like this really baseless, Wow. claim that the shows like the newer shows can't keep up because the understudies aren't good enough or they don't know their roles yet. Or it was just kind oh. of like, it was just like a very uneducated statement. Um, and a lot of people were very upset about it as they should be. Cause it was really awful. And Hugh Jackman, who was in New York doing the music band um, with Sutton Foster, um, he made a big statement when like literally it was like as if the world's aligned 
Um, he was on stage that that morning, Sutton Foster got diagnosed with COVID. She couldn't do the show. Her understudy would had no rehearsal because they were still in previews. So they hadn't opened. And usually you don't start understudy rehearsals until the show opens. So her understudy had been learning the role, but had not actually gotten on her feet and done a full rehearsal, um, had to go on that night with very little notice. And Hugh Jackman brings her up on stage and he makes this big statement at the end of the show at the curtain call and is like, this woman learned the show today. Understudies are saving Broadway. They're the reason that we are all out here. You know, we're working hard to keep Broadway open. And it was like this big thing that happened. And then all of a sudden, like you hear all these stories of like all these other understudies going on. And so in the midst of all of this, Wicked was also having the same problem and everybody in the building was getting sick. And the morning I was heading up to vacation, like the day after Christmas, I was like laying in bed. I pulled open my phone on Facebook and I see one of my friends who had played Alphaba years ago, posted this thing on Facebook that was just saying how she had been in the building rehearsing to cover Alphaba. She was so excited to be there so she could help out. And then she got diagnosed with COVID that morning. And so now she couldn't do it. And she was devastated. And I'm reading this and I'm then going through the list of all the girls that I know cover the role who have, who have like been in and out of the building in the past, like five years. Yeah. And I'm realizing all of them either just had a baby or all have COVID. And I was like, Hmm. So I was like, they're definitely going to call me today, but I am not going to live my life as if that's going to happen. So I'm going to go on vacation. So we drove up to Northern Michigan to the UP and they called me halfway through my trip and they're like, can you fly to New York tomorrow? I was like, I almost said no. I really wanted to say no um, because I was really like, I'm done with this. I don't want to do this anymore. But because of all of the stuff that had been going on in New York, I was like, I feel like the sense of duty to like my community. Right. Like I feel like as an understudy, I have this thing that I have to do, you know, like, that is my job as an understudy to make sure the show goes on. And if I can help and make that happen, yeah, I want to do that. You sort of had the ability to, I mean, a world of its own, but you had ability to change a world right there. Like you, mm-hmm. you saying yes creates this butterfly effect that, you know, you saying no, what it wouldn't have created. So I, I could see that going through your head. Like I, I have the ability to move the needle here. Yeah. And I just also, I think for me, the last time I played the role was, seven years ago. And I think I really thought that I would never do it again. And so to have an opportunity to find some closure with it, if I got to do it like one more time was also something that selfishly I really wanted, you know, I was like, I haven't done this. I, the last time I performed the role, I didn't know it was my last time. So if I get to go and do this one more time, that would be really nice. Like I would, I would feel really content with the fact that I am have stepped away and I don't want to do it anymore. Um, yeah. So I went out and rehearsed and did two shows and it was, it was all the things I wanted it to be. Um, and more, it was very stressful. Uh, I really thought I was gonna get COVID the whole time. I was like walking up and down eight flights of stairs in my hotel room, my hotel, <laughs> cause I didn't want to take the elevator. Cause <laughs> just like everybody had COVID in New York and it was terrifying being there. Um, so I just, I was like, just afraid of people. I would, a couple times I took the elevator and the doors would open and somebody wouldn't have a mask on. I'd be like, nope. I need you to turn around. You are not getting on this elevator. <laughs> yeah. I was just, 
was like, I'm not having it. Mm, not like, today. This, this elevator has rules. You can use a yes. different elevator. <laughs> you may take the stairs. I'm tired. I don't want to walk up the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was. But it's that thing where I like to be open to, like, what may happen. Right? Um, yeah, I like yeah. to say yes. I like. I, I say yes a lot to things that maybe I shouldn't say yes to, but they give me crazy stories and I have a lot of fun. I've collected a lot of fun, crazy stories over the years because I like to say yes to things. Um, I was not anticipating this moment to kind of become what it has become um, for me personally. And for a lot of people that found my story and related to it and really connected to it. Um for me, that has been the most inspiring part of it. Like a lot of people have reached out to me and they then tell me their story about how they left the business or, you know, now they're working in tech or they're working in finance and they always felt like, you know, they were a failed artist because they gave up their, they, they walked away from the thing that they love to do. Um, and seeing my story made them realize that there's always a possibility to be an artist and you can, be an artist however way you want. You can define it however you want. No one can define that for you. And just because you chose to step away doesn't mean you are any less than an artist. Um, so it's been really, it's been really kind of magical seeing like the outpouring of love that I've received from this. Um, I've been really inspired by everybody who feels seen. I feel seen, you know, it's, it's really lovely. Yeah. I, the part that really captivated me was you're this, you know, first, as we talked about for such a large part of your life, being a musical performer or, you know, a singer and an actor and all of that combined is such a significant part of who you are. And then you intentionally leave it behind. You're like, I'm ready for this next chapter. And then, you know, in the midst of a global pandemic, you know, you're on vacation with your husband. I'm sure you're in like vacation mental mode. Oh, I had bought a full <laughs> sweatsuit onesie and <laughs> was prepared to wear it all week. I literally <laughs> brought it with me to New York and I wore it in my hotel room all day, every day. So I was like, this is where we are. <laughs> but that's what I mean. So like <clears throat> you are... You know, like I said, all this is happening, global pandemic, you're in vacation mode. And then to get that phone call and say, hey, you know, this is who you were. We need you to be her again. We need you to come back and bring that part of your life back in, in like preferably like full steam. Like we need you to really lean into it. That's just, you know, I, I when I read your story, I thought to myself, what would I do in that situation? I don't know if I would have said yes. Like that's... Uh, just mentally to have mm -hmm. to go through all that in, in a weekend too, right? Like you, I'm sure it was over like that. And then you mm -hmm. come back to your, you know, back to your regular life, quote unquote. But <laughs> that's the part where I'm like, uh, how did you, you know, and, and you kind of talked about this, that you wanted to sort of, you recognize you had an opportunity there to help out. And you also wanted to kind of see, you know, what could happen. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's kind of that question of like, oh my gosh, what, what was the reason for actually saying yes? And why did you do that? So I, I'm happy that your story has resonated with so many people because I think there's so much to that of just, you know, I think so many of us go through these seasons of life and we evolve as people and we, we do leave behind, like we shed the layers and leave behind who we were. Mm -hmm. And 
to see you come back to that person and bring her back and you know for for a weekend and and dive back into being a performer it's so inspiring like that's i think the biggest thing for me was i was just inspired by you like wow she did that that's pretty mm-hmm. badass thanks yeah it's it's that revisiting right it's like just cuz we've moved on to maybe another portion of our life doesn't mean we aren't that previous version of our life, right? Like there's still part of that that exists in us. Um, I always tell when I, when I talk to people who want to change careers from theater or really any field and they're like, I don't have any, I don't have any skills. I don't have the right skills for this new thing. And I'm like, well, but you have a lot of other life that you've lived. It's not like changing careers makes all of that other stuff that you've done in your life disappear. Like, you have other skills that you can bring from all of those other things into this new thing. It's not like it just goes away. Um, it's always a part of us, you know, we use it in different ways, but um, for me, like I, I think what it made me realize is that I, I thought I was fully done because I thought it was all or nothing. Right. I think there's that narrative of art is all or nothing. And if we don't fully commit to it hundred percent, and then it doesn't work out, we're failures, yeah. right? We failed. And it's our fault. It's 100% our fault. I feel like that's no, the common narrative. Yeah. And so when we choose to step away, we it's easier to just say, I'm done. I don't ever want to touch it again because I failed at that thing. So why would I go back to it? But why can't, why can't they both exist, right? Like, why can't we as artists have stable careers and also have art for ourselves, right? Like for me, I thought I was done. So now I'm like, well, maybe that's, maybe that's not true. Maybe I can like simultaneously be a software engineer while also doing music how I want to do it. You know, I can afford to do my own concerts now. I'm not struggling. So maybe I'll do that. Why not? You know, why not rent out a space and write up a writer cabaret and go sing whatever I want to sing and invite my friends and my family and do it for the joy of it instead of because I feel like I have to do it or else you know I don't know what you know like I doing it because I want to do it which is something that I'm still trying to figure out what that looks like (laughs) when you went for this weekend uh, um, over the holidays and and did this I keep calling emergency performance but I mean Mm -hmm. Was this, I mean, so this was the first time you had performed in the context of like, I am not a full-time performer who is trying to survive on my ability to perform. Like I have a Mm -hmm. different career now that's providing for me in in my life. So I guess the question is like, did you have a different enjoyment of those two performances than you did the years prior? Because Mm -hmm. I imagine it might've meant something different to you because maybe you could just enjoy it more. Like you didn't have to worry about like, is this going to get me to my next, you know, performing career move? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Like I was able to go out there and just like, I knew what I was doing was not going to happen again. Right. Like I knew that I was going to get these two shows and when it was over, I was going to go home. And so there wasn't as much pressure because I wasn't, I wasn't like hoping that the associate director would see me and then move me into the role full time. I wasn't hoping for anything. I didn't, I didn't need it. Like I didn't really care. 
all I knew was that I got to actually go and enjoy it. Um, and it was really, really, I mean, it was powerful to get to like stand on that stage and perform that role for myself was really, really powerful. Um, you know, I think Alphabet is also a really special role for that, those kinds of moments because of the lyrics and all the things that she says and her journey, oh, especially, you know, like, so I, good. Oh my God. Like just define gravity took on like a whole new meaning for me. Just those, you know, like I'm through accepting limits because someone says they're so, you yes. know, um, some things I cannot change, but still I try whatever. Like I can't even think of the words now because that's where we're at. Wicked is out of my head, but it's just like the whole thing is all about like, nobody is going to tell me what to do. I am going to actively choose to be myself and choose myself. And, and that is how I'm going to choose to live my life. And it was just getting to stand there and sing those words and feel them in a very different way. was really cool. Really cool is really cool. Wicked is in my opinion, for me is, is probably the, the best granted i i've seen primarily i've not been to actual broadway i've seen all broadway in chicago so i've seen touring versions but mm-hmm. for me wicked is like the the best i've seen like it's the best story it's the most genius story the music is phenomenal but define gravity that that song you just described is my absolute favorite and mm-hmm. so for anyone who hasn't seen wicked it, well i don't want to spoil everything but at the end of the first act alpha bus sings define gravity and um ends up flying in the air which is so well done always in every production i've seen but that to me gives me chills and and, and tears all the time when i see that moment where she is rising up above the audience and Mm -hmm. just you know belting what did i mean what's it like when you are the person going up there like do you have those same feelings during that song that i do you know sitting in the crowd yeah it's funny i um the the most recent time 100 percent you know, when I'm there, are when you do the show a lot, you bring with, when you're in the show full time, sometimes you bring in a lot of other stuff to the show. And sometimes some days you're like, I just got to get through the show. And sure. as hard as you try to be really present, sometimes you're just like, Oh, I got to get through the song. <laughs> My voice is not feeling the song today or whatever. Um, but on days when it feels really good, it, it feels all those things, you know, you're like, here we go getting in the, the levitator and we're going to fly. And, um, some days it feels hokey and some days it feels really awesome and powerful. So it's, it just really depends on the day. Um, and, and it depends on how all the mechanical stuff goes. Some days you, you run upstage and you try to get into the <laughs> levitator and it's not working. And so then you start to fly and you're like very frustrated because you didn't have any time to breathe. You know, I mean, it's, it's da- daily is different. It is always, it is always pretty, powerful and magical though to be up once you get up there it's pretty awesome it's just getting to like feel that power is like the word i keep bringing up i wish i had more words in my my word toolbox um but it feels really powerful it's it's you get to be alone in the space right nobody is up there with you it's just you in the space and you get to like kind of feel the vastness of the theater you know in the dark and you oh, it's can beautiful. see how large the house is and you're on the same level as like the the balcony and there's there's this really freeing feeling of it right because you're just like kind of up there in this open space with nothing else around you um it's pretty magical 
just keep using the words magical. No, ma- <laughs> magical. <laughs> when you said that, I thought that's the perfect way to describe the whole musical, but also that song, Define Gravity, and the performance yeah. is just so magical. That's my absolute favorite song like from any musical, and I just yeah. I love that one. It's a good one. It is. <laughs> For all the reasons you said, the lyrics by themselves are just so empowering. This is a very random question, but um, you have your own Wikipedia page. Which I do. <laughs> you do. And yeah, the reason, I did not write that. <laughs> no, that's good because I think you're you're not supposed to, right? Like you have to have oh, yeah. third third parties write it for you. But my question is I I guess it's such an interesting thing to me. Like the world we live in nowadays, I mean, of course, the reason I stumbled upon it is because as I'm learning more about you, like Wikipedia is a trusted source primarily. And so if it comes up, I'm gonna read it. And as I'm reading, I'm just thinking to myself, like, how does that feel to you? Like, to because I feel like not everyone has a Wikipedia page, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's probably a good portion of people listening to this, if not everyone, myself included, who does not have their own Wikipedia page. Tim, I'm going to make you a Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> Can we do that? Just as scheme. soon as we get off, I'm going to be like, Tim Jung is the owner of the podcast. <laughs> But yeah, right. Like, because if I had a Wikipedia page, I would feel personally, if I would feel like more legit, I don't even know in what, mm-hmm. right. But like, if I have a Wikipedia page, I'm now at some status of like, I don't know, I'm, you know, you talked about Hugh Jackman earlier. Hugh Jackman has a Wikipedia page. I'm now at the level of Hugh Jackman in some way. So, like, you have You a Wikipedia- basically are Hugh Jackman <laughs> as, as soon as you have a Wikipedia page. Minus the singing and dancing. <laughs> but you have a Wikipedia page. So I'm like, does that. Like, do you feel any different? Do you feel like legit or you've made it? Or is it just like, you know, someone wrote it and you don't really care? You know, there there was actually a lot of wrong information on there for a long time. And I think recently one of my friends was like, Carla, can I fix this? I was like, please fix it. I'm not touching it, but somebody fix it because there was just wrong stuff on there. Um, it's weird. It's this idea of like every hill that you climb is the bottom of another hill, right? Every mountain you climb, you look up and there's another mountain. And so every achievement you get, especially as like a performer, there's always this feeling of like, oh, well, I, I can get higher. Like there's another, there's somebody else who's up there. I got to get to their level. And then as soon as you get there, there's somebody else up there. I got to get to their level. Right. Like, I heard, I was listening to this podcast the other day. If you haven't listened to it, it's called Dead Eyes. It's about, it's long, I'm not going to get into what it's about, but they talk a lot about to actors and performers about the business and about like just what it's like to be an actor in the business and, you know, the disappointments. And, and they made this reference like, you know, Tom Cruise is looking or looking at, um, oh my gosh, I can't talk anymore. Um, you're going to have to cut all this. Hold on. Uh, what is his name? Is he an actor? The, yeah. The, the nicest Tom in the world who played Forrest Gump. Oh, Tom Hanks. Yeah. Thank you. Right. America's so Tom, Tom Hanks is looking at Tom Cruise and so you can cut all of that and just start right here. So Tom Hanks is looking at Tom Cruise and saying, oh, I wish that I was doing what Tom Cruise is doing. And Tom Cruise is looking at Tom Hanks and saying, oh, I wish I had all of those awards that Tom (laughs) Hanks has, right? It's like, it's the idea that no matter how high you get, there's always something else that you want that you don't have. And I look at 
I look at my Wikipedia page and I see all the flaws in it. And I, and I look at my friends who I've been performing alongside for years and I see how many followers they have on Instagram. And I see, I look at their IMDb pages and I, you know, I BDB, right. The internet Broadway database pages. And, and I compare myself to them because it's impossible not to. Um, and it's, it's hard to just kind of sit back and look at my own achievements and be really proud of what I've done. Um, and I, and I work really hard on that because I want to be proud of the things that I've done. Um, part of leaving was kind of owning my journey and owning what I've achieved and what I haven't achieved and being okay with that. Um, but it's hard because there's always this little bit of you that's like, Oh, if only I had this one other thing, you know, if only, I don't know, if only I had another movie or I I don't even have a movie. I did a student film, but randomly I have an IMDb page for it. Like, you know, it's like, if only I had a commercial, if only I had a whatever. Um, And it's really hard to kind of always feel that. So part of my leaving was like, I don't want to feel like that anymore. I want to stop comparing myself to like everyone else that has other things. Um, So right, so I'm really trying to just focus on what I have and what I've achieved and how I feel about it. Um, and then what else I can do that is unique to me and really fits like my narrative of what I want to do. Um, and having a Wikipedia page, it's weird. It's weird. I'm not going to lie. When I, when my husband and I met, the first thing he said to me, like the next day was like, do you have a Wikipedia page? (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I was Googling you. He's like, you have really good Google presence, but like you also have a Wikipedia page. And I was like, yeah, it's weird. For the longest time, it said I grew up in California, which is not true. I grew up in Oak Park. (laughs) (laughs) See, even he was like, she's got a Wikipedia page. I don't know (laughs) if I'm at her level. (laughs) She's a big deal. I didn't realize Wikipedia page, having a Wikipedia page was a big deal, but apparently, I mean, I know it's a big deal. I mean, I, I am proud of my Wikipedia page. That's a very long answer to your question, but I am proud that I have a Wikipedia page. It's weird. I'm glad you're but proud it's there. of it. <laughs> and I think, you know, you, I'm just thinking of all the years and all the, I don't even know how many shows you did at Wicked, but in all the different roles you did, whether it's Ensemble or Alphabet, like you had a hand in bringing that magical story to life all those nights. And I can only, I mean, thousands and probably millions at this point of people you affected who came every night and saw that mm-hmm. show. And God knows what they were able to do after being inspired and just, you know, singing and dancing and loving the feeling they got that night. So um, thank you for taking the time to join me today, but also thank you for, for all you've done there. You know, I know you're in this next chapter of your life now and you're going to inspire people in in all new ways, but you know, as someone who loves that show and loves music, like thank you for bringing that to life. And like I said, I I might've been one of those people on one of those shows, one of those nights. So thank you selfishly for what you did that night. But yeah, thanks thanks for, thanks for doing this, Carla. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Tim. This was lovely. You can find all episodes of We're Only Human at we'reonlyhumanpodcast.com, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. <laughs>